Hello, hello, and welcome to the Gardner Carney Leadership Institute podcast. The GCLI has developed a pedagogy of leadership which combines brain science, leadership studies, cultural competency, and developmental psychology. Its mission is to teach teachers to teach leadership to students. This is your go-to podcast for discussions, tips, and stories for leadership and leadership education. And I am your host, Catherine Birdie, but please call me Birdie. Our world is in dire need of people just like you, people who are committed to building communities of leaders, young and old. So let's get busy leading the next generation of leaders, and thank you for joining us. Hello, GCLI, Birdie here. Today's guest is class of 22 GCLI scholar from Rumsey Hall in Connecticut. Craig O is an expert on all things experiential and outdoor education. As we emerge from these long winter months, you may be interested in taking your classes outdoors or maybe even trying something new. So Craig is the perfect guest to remind us of the benefits and opportunities in experiential education. Craig O, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bertie. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, it is. It's been. It's been a, just a minute since we've seen each other, and I'm so glad to hear your voice and have you on the podcast. If you can, just really quickly tell us a little bit about uh, your role at Rumsey Hall. Yes. So I've been at Rumsey Hall for I think ten years. Let's just go with ten years, and they hired me as a math teacher. Uh, but now I work as the director of the outdoor education program. Uh, I run our leadership programming and another program I'm the department chair for called uh, the Character, Character and Community Living Skills Department. Uh, and I also run our community service department as well. And then some other stuff, right, as it, as it goes at independent schools. Maybe a dorm head, maybe sports. Um, lots of stuff for sure. Your plate is very full. Tell us a bit about Rumsey Hall. Yeah, so Rumsey Hall is now officially this year a pre-K through ninth grade. Uh, as you said, we're located in Ken- Connecticut. And it's it's really a great opportunity uh, for kids to kind of engage with their academics in a, I think, in a playful and experiential way. And we're probably going to hear that word a few times, uh, which is something I just really adore about the school. Uh, is there is this compassion for the outdoors, this desire to to be there um, and to just teach kids that it's a it's a good place to be, uh, and lifestyle of movement is really important to us as well. So we have a pretty robust athletic program, and that's kind of where the outdoor education program first came in was this idea of like how can we also sort of reach all kids, not necessarily athletically, or really the, the those kids that are attached to the team, but those kids that might really desire sort of a lifestyle of movement uh, without always meeting that team ideal. That's awesome. So when you talk about lifestyles of movement and and um leadership opportunities how 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 do you define experiential education i guess in in both i guess as a pedagogy and then how does it play out in your experience as a practitioner of experiential ed yeah so i think it boils down to the idea of go forth and do 
right? The the whole concept of experiential is going out there and figuring something out. And, you know, we can separate that to not just being in the outdoor education piece. We talk about experiential education also being our community service here, right? There's an opportunity for kids to go out and to do something. Uh, So we look at experiential education as those areas where kids can kind of gain skills that can help them not just sort of identify who they are, but maybe identify how they want their community to be. Um, But in terms of the outdoors, we really are looking for kids to to be willing to challenge themselves, to be a little skeptical of themselves when they say, I'm not sure that I can do that. And so when I work with them and when I train other teachers to do it as well, that's really the idea is we're trying to get the kids to make space for each other to go out there and say, this is a chance for you to go to try something and to possibly make a mistake uh, and then to get back up there and try it again. You're constantly looking for those growing edges, and yeah. and and that can be different for every child. I'm I'm guessing, especially in the middle school years. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your your opinion about the importance of outdoor education in those pivotal middle school years. Yeah, so I think if we even just break down sort of how kids learn relational skills from the beginning and just that concept of play and how important play is um, at any age, right? Like I think we tend to emphasize the, the, the need for the developmental experience for kids, but you know, we need it as well. So, but going back to just our elementary program uh, or even our, our upper school, which is our really our middle school program, Uh, That concept of play, like how we interact, how we learn what rules are, how we engage with each other and how we learn to set boundaries, right? Because sometimes playing is we push somebody too far. uh, So we have to be able to advocate for ourselves or to some degree, how do we assert ourselves, right? Because we need to be able to establish what we need in a situation. um, And there is an assertion to that. And if we're not speaking up on behalf of ourselves, then there is a need to be more assertive as well. Uh, so I think the idea of the where we use that outdoor education piece is, is this uh, concept that's closely related to the Clover model. Like, How do we teach kids to be assertive? How are they actively engaged um, in that sense of play? Do they feel like they even belong there in the first place? Or how are we creating sort of that experience where it's maybe just kickball in the field? You know, maybe it's uh, a game of ultimate Frisbee. Maybe it's developmental soccer. But how does it how do we first and in, in, ensure that a kid feels like that they should be on that field. And then like anything else, um, you know, the importance of reflection and kind of looking back on that and that ability to say, so what worked really well in that situation? And that's a little bit more of the curricular piece. I can't say that the reflection comes up in every instance that we're outdoors, but I do think in the program that I'm trying to run um, and then with the people that I work with, taking those few minutes or at the very least not taking away time from the experience just because you ran out of time, right? Just even asking one or two questions about what they thought, what worked well, what's a compliment you could give if someone made a mistake, you know, how might they work on that? Or if you made a mistake, maybe you weren't encouraging, how might you change that in the future? Gosh, okay, lots to unpack there. I guess I've got several questions, but I'd love, let me back up a bit. How did you get, how did you learn 
how to how did you become an experiential educator? What what led you into this this work? And then I want to talk about a little bit more about the concept of play because you really did bring that into the leadership lab beautifully last year. So kind of put a pin in the play, but let's go back to where you uh, got into this work. Yeah, so I'm kind of laughing about that, and uh, I, I would say by experience. Um, I when I first started in, in education, there was a need for an assistant in the canoeing program at the school. And I, I can't say that I had a whole lot of experience, uh, but I was like, sure, like I'd be more than happy to, to give that a try. So there was, you know, let's call that an ample amount of risk taking. I was just like, let's see how it goes. And in my first year, it didn't go particularly well. Uh, I definitely made a lot of mistakes uh, and spent a lot of time in the water. Uh, but you know, now we run a kayaking program here at the school. Um, but since then, you know, I've done a lot of training around uh, hiking and, you know, getting a, a, a wilderness first aid. You know, we work a lot with Project Adventure to do certification for me in terms of making sure that I'm using best practices in working with the kids and training other teachers as well. Um, but I do really want to really want to emphasize the importance of like you don't need all that to get started, right? Like if you have a, if you have an interest or even if you see a need, right? You don't necessarily have to be innately interested, but if you're glad this could really work well for our students, um, how can we make this an opportunity? Just getting out there and experiencing it uh, is really the best place to start. I did, I came into education through the lens of outdoor education. That was kind of, I realized I loved working with students, I had planned to go to law school and then found myself in an experiment of my own and uh, was working with students and realized that I, I really loved learning with them through that space. So I was uh, working as an outdoor educator. And I remember, um, you know, there was the, the component of pushing an individual uh, appropriately uh, beyond that perceived edge, their limits, but also the team building piece that um, yeah. that helped to create community. And often it mm -hmm. was through adversity, pain and suffering of lugging a big backpack over a, over a pass or, or something. But um, at the end of the day, it really was about community and um, that reflective piece. So I wouldn't have, I wouldn't often call it play, but ultimately I think it kind of hit that, that same end. And we, not every, you know, during a school day, you can't throw in a backpack necessarily and run over a mountain, especially in most of the urban schools. But what, what would be like examples of play or teamwork or pushing limits? That's kind of a lot, but what's kind of a favorite story that um, kind of encompasses what you're seeing in this space. Yeah, a favorite story. So, you know, there are so many, Bertie. Um, there's, give me a second here. I, you know, I'm gonna go with one from just last year. And we were working with our ninth graders in one of the curricular exercises. So we're trying to, uh, up until the student's eighth grade year, we're really teaching them opportunities we're giving them opportunities to learn about leadership, and then we're giving them opportunities to practice it in their ninth grade. So this is one of the opportunities we we had for an education, and it's called the crow's nest, and it sits about eight feet up in a tree, uh, and it's literally just a net that's attached on four trees, and it's fairly simple. You have to climb up inside the net, or you have to help people get up inside the net. 
And for a lot of different reasons, that could feel too, too high for somebody. Uh, somebody might not feel like they have the ability to do it. So you're really asking the group on how do you, how do you get everybody up in the, into that space um, and how can you do it in a way that one, like they feel comfortable because not everybody's necessarily comfortable with being touched and lifted, um, but also that they feel like they've contributed. And if everyone's up there, you know, then maybe you have this sense of belonging, like we all got there as well. So it is a challenge by choice. And we did have one girl that was looking at the, at the nest and saying, you know, I don't feel like I'm able to do this. I'm not sure that I should give this a try. And thoroughly unprompted by me or any other teacher, uh, about four or five kids uh, just literally leaned over the side and they just looked at her and started clapping. And they were like, we, we need you up here. Like, you were, we're going to help you get up here. You're going to tell us how we're going to help you get up here. And I thought that was really great, too, is they didn't say we're going to do this. They asked her what she needed to get up there. And she was like, all right, I guess I'm doing it. And so in that one moment, you know, she was, conf she was confronting her own fears and self-doubts. And there was a great community moment where they all came together and they gave her that space to, to really determine, to be skeptical of herself, to say, ah, actually, I shouldn't doubt myself. I think I have the opportunity to do this. So it was both metaphorically and literally uplifting. Uh Love that. And you, you, you pulled what I was trying to get to in the question together beautifully, the individual, the community, the edges beautifully. Thank you. So I know that there is a, a program that you've, your several programs that you've developed at the lab, you spoke about some curricula that you had developed, but I think your fifth grade program is particularly unique. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, that's mostly the brain product of the lower school director, Robert Brenner. And he and I have talked quite a bit about what type of experiences we could give the lower school on our lower ropes and lower low ropes course on campus. We also have a, a, a high ropes experience as well. But last summer, we sat down and mapped out about four or five critical moments throughout the year where we could bring this group of about 20 kids together to have very deliberate education around leadership. Um, they are, the fifth grade at our school is the, is the last year that a student would spend in the, the lower division. And so there are lots of opportunities for those students to be leaders in terms of meal prefects, uh, in terms of a student council that they run, but also in terms of guiding any new students that come in or any of the younger students on sort of best practices, helping out with homework or even just encouraging them to be part of the school. And so he and I felt this is a great place um, to give them very deliberate training, um, but also to start in, I guess, my piece to it was to start implementing sort of more depth around the idea of that sense of belonging. Like, how do we get a group of students to start really kind of understanding more complex uh, issues within our own community uh, and really possibly any community uh, in terms of how do you create a sense of belonging, how do you demonstrate curiosity, and, and ultimately how do you give somebody that chance to be lifted up by the group. And so we looked at, I think it was three fundamental opportunities at the beginning of each term to bring this group together to discuss um, sort of one, uh, their goals, um, in one way that's called, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm having a, a, a quick blank, uh, but it's the values. It's like, how do they want to establish their own values as a class? Um, and then the next time we meet, we revisit those values. And we talked a little bit about the idea of how do you, as a group of students, 
um, give an opportunity or how are you patient enough to give another student the opportunity to have their experience? Uh, so we have this one element called the swing shot. Uh, and it's really all the students are on a rope and it hoists another kid up into the air. Um, and that gives them a chance to feel lifted up by the group. And then that one student has the opportunity to tell the group when they're ready and they have a ripcord um, and they literally pull the ripcord and they swing inside the gym. And it's up to the student to decide how far they really want to go up. Uh, but it's a real great chance for the kids to understand that it, you know, it can be a lot of work or a lot of patience, right, to give someone that chance to have their experience. And we tie that into that idea of this is, you know, one of your first steps to creating space and creating a, that sense of belonging for uh, any student within our community. Um, we'll be culminating this with some more uh, more fun adventure stuff. We're actually going to visit a high ropes course and some zip lines for the kids and have that chance for kids to also sort of explore the idea of experiential learning but have that chance to celebrate it together. And that's kind of a key piece of our program too is, and that's a little bit on the reflection, right? So you go out and you have this great experience and sometimes you hustle off, um, but, but by going to sort of this high rope zip line, we're also gonna create a barbecue and that chance for those kids to kind of celebrate all that hard work they've done about learning about leadership, learning about belonging, learning about group dynamics, and then just have a chance to have a good time too. Oh, really that's important. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think the belonging piece, it kind of brings me back to GCLI um, and the reflection piece. You know, a lot of people are surprised by the depth of community that is developed at GCLI, that belonging that can happen actually pretty quickly. Um, but then the extension groups and, and the daily reflection that we provide, I think, is is a central part of, of our successful program. Um, but in your, in your experience, um, as a scholar, do you mind reflecting on some of, of your takeaways as a scholar or maybe even how they compare to your lab experience? Well, I'm, I'm going to go back to that opportunity for play as well. And I think GCL, GCLI kind of underestimates how much opportunity we have to, to play together because it's this place where you go to, to do something, right? And we have this adult mentality of we're there to, to do work. Um, but it is also very deeply experiential. Um, either you can't always tell what's going to come out of each, uh, of each workshop of each day. Uh, and in that case, it's really promoting that, that, that idea of like play, like you have to be involved. Um, and you go back to that idea of like of the Clover model, right? Like you have to, are you actively engaged? Um, how much reflection are you given at the end of the day? Um, how assertive you are? Are you backing out of the group opportunities or are you being too assertive and kind of taking over? And then ultimately, I think belonging is kind of bi-directional, right? Do you feel like you belong? And at the same time, are you giving an opportunity for someone else to feel that way as well? So it's funny, like my reflection on this, um, and I've stuttered a bit on writing a reflection piece, but I'm, I'm getting, I'm making some progress on this idea of like, what a great place for really intentional learning uh, through a highly structured program that promotes play, right? There is this idea of we want you to do stuff. Um, we want to use some of this outdoor education pieces. We want you to engage with each other. Um, we want you to do some hard work too. Um, so in reflecting on the scholar piece, 
I think I've really been able to take that idea of how do you create an effective and meaningful program with this sort of secret spice of play at the same time, and then add that to the adult experiences as we try to create some small workshops and as we try to create some kind of continuing development for our own staff. You know, how do you pepper that in there? So it's not just the sort of the, the labor that goes into development, but also you look back on it and you reflect on it and say, geez, that was actually really engaging and really interesting, right? If something sits with you for a couple hours afterwards, your brain's attached to it, then it was probably pretty interesting. So that's great response. I love that. Yes. Play. I, I know I need a little bit more of that in my own life. And um, I guess my last question will be a lot of schools don't have ropes courses or yeah. access to ropes courses nearby. How can, how can schools adapt or modify experiential ed or even outdoor ed in, in maybe even an urban environment? Yeah. So you know, you, you, you really want to be mindful of, let, let, let's just start even with the outdoors, right? Even there, you want to be mindful of ability, right? Like not, the outdoor education piece can sometimes overemphasize the ability for one individual to climb, right? The use of all four limbs um, and, or even just the confidence in that, or maybe even how somebody might feel about their ability to do it in terms of size. So how do you adapt that so everybody has a chance is, is really, really important. Um, so, you know, you look at something like the, the swing shot that we have, where you have a large group of people that are lifting somebody else up. One of the things that I find to be wonderful about that, which is one of our indoor elements, so it's inside our gymnasium, is that the person that's actually doing, being lifted up has very little work to do on their own. They just have to sort of get to that piece. And there's a number of different ways that we can aid them to get there, but the group is lifting them up. So if somebody has a is is differently abled then this is a great element to get somebody on uh, and we have a couple outdoor ones in our low ropes course that are the same idea at the end of the day it's rope right and you don't need trees to utilize rope so you can do this in a gymnasium space you can do this if you have a, a large enough dining hall um, doing something as simple as creating a barrier with a rope that sits about four feet off the ground and then create the challenge for the kids to say, how do we get everybody over this rope? So this, you're banning the idea of being under, but you have to find a way to get everybody over it. And so <clears throat> having that opportunity and just realizing that you don't need a lot of props necessarily, but what you do need is framing, right? And how the, how the instructors frame the experience, what excitement that they can create for the kids, if they can make a puzzle out of it or make a game or even just get kids to depart from the reality of, of, uh, of school for a little bit so they feel really immersed in that experience, that's probably the most important piece. Yes, and then, and then at the end, I suppose the reflective piece comes in where you create, you you break it down and you ask how that went. And, and then like, if it was a, you know, a team building exercise and you've got this barrier, do you kind of attach that to barriers that we see in the real world or that they may experience in the classroom or extensions of what a barrier might mean? Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the best ones that I experienced, I was an observer uh, and I don't know the specific name for it, but they were working with a group of, of 20 students and they had two students attached to each end of a rope. Um, and their students were just spinning the rope. And the idea was, how do you get the kids to, to get from one side to the other without disrupting the spinning pattern of the rope? Um, and it was done in a very safe way so no student would be hit by the rope because you want to be mindful of that. 
Um, but the way the facilitators engaged the kids and really got them to, to leave the idea that they were standing on, a, on, on hot pavement, but they were actually sort of engaged in this adventure that they had to get to the other side. And there was really a reward on the other side that was nothing more than like bags of Capri Sun. Uh, but they were really <laughs> excited and they spent 50 minutes in the hot sun trying to figure out how to do this and had totally forgotten like what, what their environment was and everybody passed through. I think what I find to be interesting about that in, is that simple works too, right? You don't necessarily need the big complicated courses. Uh, something simple, uh, I think, always even surpasses those. Yeah. Yes. We often overcomplicate things. And I, I would just encourage people to just get outside and think about what they do differently, especially as we, again, approach these warmer days and leave leave the winter months behind a bit. Um, I know my students love being outdoors and looking at the world in different ways through a different lens. So I thank you for sharing your insight on experiential and outdoor education. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for the invite. It's really great to see you again. Um, and, and I'm really excited to continuing to be part of GCLI. Uh, it's a great program that's promoted my ability to, to be a good leader and think about how to do this for our students. Uh, so thank you for the opportunity to continue to give back. Absolutely. Absolutely. And good luck with everything that you've got going on at Rumsey Hall. It sounds like an amazing place. Great. Thank you, Bertie. Thank you all for joining us today, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. Until then, visit us at gcliadership.org and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. You'll find all of our links at the bottom of our podcast. And until then, lead on. <laughs>